As we continue our series on spiritual disciplines, I invite you this morning to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Notice that, you know, today it's one verse that we're focusing in on, whereas last week when we were talking about fasting, we read through an entire chapter in Isaiah. And both are good things at different times. Sometimes we need the whole chapter. Other times to focus our attention on one phrase and dig into it is also um, a way to study well and study diligently. We've talked about scripture reading and fasting and prayer as spiritual disciplines, and today we look at examination. What does it mean to examine ourselves? And uh, Ben led us into that through confession and assurance. It is this time to reflect. And I don't think it's always a matter of, okay, to do full self-examination before, before God that, that we need like, you know, three weeks in total isolation. Examination can also happen in the time where we're just driving away from a meeting, when we're done with a conversation, where we might do some self-examination, some soul-searching. And in all of this, just so we don't lose sight of this as a spiritual discipline, there's other kinds of modern ways to look at this. If we are mindful of the history and tradition of the church as a spiritual discipline, this is about bringing our thoughts and the meaning that we make of life and our feelings towards things in life to Christ and putting them under Christ, putting ourselves under Christ. Examination is, in this way, submitting ourselves, our hearts and our minds, to Jesus. And so you'll hear that within the phrase in 2 Corinthians, and as we go to God's Word, we'll examine our own hearts, and we ask for God to examine us, and God knows us full well. But what we need is the ears to hear and the minds that are open and the hearts that are ready to hear what God has to say about our lives, about our way of being in the world, and all of our thoughts. And so as we turn our attention to God's Word, let's first pray for God's blessing upon the Word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, speak to us that which we need to hear. Help us to walk away from this place with that which we need to chew on for a while, to be mindful of, to hold on to, and may this idea of examining ourselves or having you examine us, may examination as a discipline be second nature to us. May it be part of our living being that we are always seeking out your perspective on our lives, on the world around us. So help us in this moment to hear your word with ears that are open, minds that are ready, hearts that are eager to engage with your word not just for what we take away now, but how you will continue to change and transform us. And may we discipline ourselves to be well examined by your word and by your spirit, that we may be faithful disciples in this world. In your name we pray, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This sounds like a pretty tall order because I think throughout the day, throughout the week, we do a lot of thinking. We have lots of different thoughts. But the exhortation in 2 Corinthians 10.5 is this. Take every thought, every thought 
and make it obedient to Christ. That means every active thought where we're processing and thinking about something, and that also would mean every passing thought, every little thought that just slips out of our mind as we go about our days. Take every thought captive, not just out of some self-punishing nature, but take every thought captive and what? Make it obedient to Christ. To say, God, I want my thinking and my will and what I'm determined to do to be aligned with your thoughts, with your will, with your determination for my life. And this sounds really good. And I think if we were to have just a simple conversation, we'd say, should we take our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ? I think most of us, at least under peer pressure, would say, yes, of course, absolutely, we should make our thoughts obedient to Christ. It's a healthy way of submitting to Christ. But then, always growing up, I, I loved 2 Corinthians 10.5. It was one of my life verses for a while, just one that was always in my head, take every thought captive, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. But then I also sometimes wondered, well, how do you do that? What does that look like? What, what's maybe a, a process to help us make that a reality? Because it sounds good to make our thoughts obedient to Christ, but, but how? What's the steps? What's the processes? Well, there's a picture that'll appear on the screen now, and I have drawn this several times in my office at different times where we've processed things through. And it's pretty simple. I think it's pretty easy to grasp, pretty easy to take away, and hopefully you can see it decently well. But on the right, we have just the word event, an event, something happens. And the low stakes example that I always like to start with is let's say you see me here at church later today and I trip. That's an event. In that moment where that event happens, Pastor Stephen tripped, he fell down you will simultaneously have thoughts and feelings. And that just is what it is. We think fast and we have emotional reactions and that just happens. And thoughts and feelings are separated. I would say in this case, neither of them are superior or inferior to the other. An event happens and your brain, your mind as a gift from God produces thoughts and feelings. And sometimes that's simply to keep you safe, to protect you. It's part of how God has wired us. But in the event of you saw Stephen trip, that's the event, your thoughts and feelings. Your feelings might be concern. Your feelings might be surprise. Maybe you're not surprised that that happened. Um, maybe your thought, maybe your feeling would be that of being humored, like seeing me trip would bring you just a little bit of joy. Maybe it's funny. We'll let that be what it is. You can have your feelings. Your thoughts might be, did he trip on something? Did he drop anything? Was anyone else hurt? There's all kinds of thoughts that you could have. Maybe if I was carrying something and I was on carpet, and maybe if you're a church custodian, you might think, oh no, did that spill on anything? That might be a thought worth having. Or if it's on the stone out, front in, the, or out in the coffee area in the reach-out center, you might be like, oh good, that's easier to clean up. We can have all kinds of thoughts and feelings, and we have lots of thoughts and lots of feelings, and they come at us fast. But if we think about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ, what I would have us focus on is that part over on the left. After an event happens, we have our thoughts and feelings, and then we make meaning. 
When we get to the meaning-making part, that's kind of what I want us to be most focused on. That is where examination as a spiritual discipline brings us. And whichever older or newer guide that you go to, whether it be St. Ignatian and his examination process or whether newer things, it's that meaning-making that we get drawn into. So in the event that I tripped and you saw it and you had your thoughts and feelings, I would ask, what conclusion would come out of that? What meaning would you make of the event? And let's just try one on. Let's say that your meaning-making, for example, is that you make the meaning, Pastor Stephen is a clumsy person. That's the meaning that you make. An event happened, you thought, you thought some thoughts in reaction, there was some feelings of surprise or concern or humor, and then the meaning that you make, he's a clumsy person. Now here's why this matters. I'm not very bothered by that. I used to say I'm one of the clumsiest black belts you will ever meet. I think it's the size of my feet. I was doomed to fail on that. But meaning-making gets captured with an event. That is what it is. But then we take that meaning and we hold on to it and we read that elsewhere too. So let's say you made the meaning, you saw me trip, Pastor Stephen's a clumsy person. That's the meaning you made. Now this is very value neutral and that's on purpose as we just think about the process. But then let's say we've got a potluck later on or maybe at the harvest feast some, at some point, you see me carrying a tray that is full and it has things that can spill. And because you have made the meaning previously, Pastor Stephen's a clumsy person. You don't even have to think and feel too much about the tray. You are relying on previous meaning making that this is a bad idea. This is a disaster waiting to happen. And so the event, nothing bad has happened. I'm just carrying the tray. But because of previous meaning that you've made, the event of me carrying a tray now has an extra layer added to it. And you start feeling concerned, you start feeling nervous, maybe excited, like, oh man, this is gonna go horribly wrong and it's gonna be funny, right? Maybe that's some of your feelings. You might need to check your heart if that's the vein that you're going down. But really, examination is all about checking your heart and mind. But then there's the thoughts. You might start thinking, doesn't everyone know that Pastor Stephen's a clumsy person? What fool in the kitchen gave him that tray to carry? Who let him carry that tray? We all know, right? Because you've made the meaning. You know it. Everybody else knows it too. We all know Pastor Stephen's a clumsy person. That's because we've taken our meaning and we've held on to it. We've confirmed it. We've paid attention to the evidence that confirms it, and we've maybe lacked observation of anything that doesn't confirm it. And then we read meaning into future events. Now, I don't know how the rest of it will turn out, if I'm going to drop the tray or not. But I think with that example, you get the point. An event happens, we make some meaning of it. And then that meaning gets cast into different other parts of our lives. Now, if it's me tripping, not really a big deal. But let's think about how this plays out in relationship. After all, we are called to live in relationship with one another. We are called to be people of God together. Wonder how often events and the thoughts and feelings and ultimately the meaning that we make can get messy because it is good and healthy for us to have thoughts and feelings and to make meaning. Sometimes that's how we figure out, oh, stove is hot, made that meaning, not going to do that again. 
But what about in the everyday passings by where you see someone who you know and they don't acknowledge you. They seem to just walk right past and they've kind of got a look on their face. We might make the meaning in that moment that, oh, maybe you make the meaning they're in a bad mood or maybe you make the meaning that they don't like you. We take that and we play it out. You see someone and they just look irritated. We might make the meaning that they're irritated with us. And if it's just strangers passing by or acquaintances, mm, not so worried. But what about other events, whether it be in a friendship or in a marriage? What if somebody forgets a birthday or an anniversary? That's an event. What are some of the thoughts and feelings? Feelings of rejection, neglect, disappointment? Maybe we start thinking about, hmm, didn't I remember all of their birthdays and anniversaries? Haven't I been a good friend? Haven't I held up my end of this relationship? And we might start to make the meaning that they don't care about me as much as I care about them. Now take that meaning and then hold on to it and start applying it to other events. And we can see how quickly the fabric of relationships can deteriorate. Someone has a rough day, they might be a little short with people, they might lose their temper, and that event is going to create some meaning, and that always has ripple effects. Friends, if we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, examination is the discipline of being very, very mindful of the meaning that we make, and with Colossians 3 in mind, of clothing ourselves with Christ, with humility, compassion, kindness, and gentleness, examination is the time where we say, God, I've made lots of meaning, and I need to know where I've gotten it wrong. I also, through discernment, through, through the gift of discernment, talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, about discernment as a gift, I need to know where I got it right, where you were leading and guiding me to make the right meaning of an event. But God, I also need to know where have I gotten it wrong, where have I misread someone? Where have I misunderstood someone? It's dangerous to take our meaning and say that it's absolute truth because God and God alone is omniscient with understanding of absolute truth. That's why at the, our opening liturgy, we hold up the Bible and say, speak to us your truth, O God. May your truth be our truth. But how we read situations, we're not omniscient. A phrase that I have harped on before and will probably continue to do it forever. Maybe you need to challenge my meaning making that there's something to be adjusted here. Look, I'll be open to that. Is that when we say, I'm just telling it like it is, there's an assumption that we know all that is. In humility, the best we can do is say, I am calling it as I see it. I am aware that I am making meaning. And I want to take that meaning making and I want to submit it to Christ. And I want to be obedient to Christ in the meaning that I make of people and events. And you can see how in religious circles this goes south fast. People make, event, people make meaning of, oh, this hurricane happened because of that. That happened to that person because of this. We can make meaning really quick. And I think it's actually to short circuit any kind of thinking that we can ask Christ to be present with us. And so if you were to have a time of examination, maybe that's a quiet afternoon, maybe that's time in a tree stand, maybe that's just your drive home from running errands or from coming back from work. 
if there's some time of examination, I would invite you as a spiritual discipline, ask Jesus, Jesus, help me out with my meaning making with this person, this event. And I wonder if he might be ready to correct us on some of the meaning making that we do. Because where prejudice, prejudging comes into play is when we have our meaning making already set regardless of any events or thoughts or feelings or explanation. That's where our prejudices, our biases come into play is that our meaning making we have taken as absolute truth. And in examination, we ask God to correct us, to keep us humble, to also watch out for us and to, to protect our well-being, but also to guide and direct us. Now, Pastor Stephen Tripps, no big deal. I don't really mind if you think I'm clumsy or not. Maybe I am. But I wonder about other ways in which we are quick to judge. Wind the clocks back just a little bit. What was the meaning-making that you would make when you saw someone wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, right? What are the thoughts, what are the feelings that we had? And we could jump to meaning-making. And also, regardless of how you felt about it or what you thought about it, we all felt pretty smug and right in our meaning-making of good people, bad people, people worth judging, people worth celebrating. It's meaning-making, friends. And eventually we short-circuit any kind of thinking because we are attached more to our meaning-making than anything else about the person. This is where judgment gets dangerous. This is why examination is an important spiritual discipline. It is a practice of mindfulness. It's a type of prayer where we are asking God to interrupt our normal way of thinking, to interrupt our prejudices, to interrupt all of that and say, God, make my mind and my thoughts and my meaning and my feelings obedient to you, O Christ. And I don't think that this is meant to just be done at the triage level of God help me figure out when I've made the wrong meaning because there are assumptions that myself and all of us have that are probably just wrong. And that's gonna be a lifelong practice of meaning making and examination that we hold before Christ. But I wonder if we do better than just triaging the meaning making, if we just disagree about what meaning was made. I think examination as a discipline in spiritual maturity, if we give this our all, if this is a way of life, we start to get further upstream. We aren't just asking after we've made the conclusions of meaning making, but we're looking at the thoughts and feelings that we have, the reactions that we have, the things that you think and feel instantaneously, that we start swimming upstream a little bit and ask God to intervene there. What about when there's no thought or feeling that, the, that has any connection to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. I wonder if we notice that our thoughts and feelings, before we even start making meaning, although we are always making meaning, we realize that there's no fruit of the Spirit in how I'm approaching this. There is no love. There is no peace in this. There is no joy. And I wouldn't say that the fruit of the Spirit is somehow just a subset of thoughts and feelings. I think the fruit of the Spirit is its own thing. But are we mindful of, is God present at all in how we're thinking through, how we're feeling this out in the events that we're witnessing? 
both in our lives and around the world. Examination is a discipline of asking God to be in all of this. And the reason there's a dotted line between meaning making and event is because eventually it's just kind of, we cut to the chase on our own meaning making. How do we ask God to interrupt, to guide and to direct? And can we get further upstream that we have the type of lens that we're trying to see the world as God sees it? This is our ultimate goal within examination. God, examine me, find, that which is, find those thoughts within me which are errors, correct me, send me, but then also help me ultimately to see the world as you do, so that I'm making meaning that is in line with your, wor- in line with your will, that I am trying to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, if you read the rest of the chapter that this came from, Paul is addressing all kinds of meaning-making that has happened in Corinth. People have judged and made meaning that, oh yeah, Paul, who writes his letters really boldly, but he's pretty timid when he's in person. There is competition over who has authority and whatnot else. All kinds of meaning has been made, and Paul is addressing this. And in the middle of this, his defense of his own ministry, his apostleship, his authority and credibility, we just get this phrase, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ so that we demolish, we demolish the arguments that set themselves up against knowledge of God. This happens within the church, within a fellowship of believers, but also as we seek after a disciplined grace and spiritual maturity, it becomes our way of being, our lifestyle. I think within marriages, this is often a debrief of what went wrong? Where did we make some meaning? Where are some past hurts we've held on to? This can be within friendships, and this could be within how we see the world around us. Friends, be mindful of the meaning that we make and that which we hold on to and that how we read it into other situations, other people. May we be clothed, as Colossians tells us, with humility, gentleness, patience, and kindness knowing that if we go to God for examination, if we ask God to examine our hearts and point things out to us, God will be patient and gentle and kind with us, but also in God's omniscience, all-knowingness, God will also point to us truth. And sometimes our errors can be hard to give up because we're kind of used to them. We kind of grow fond of them. Examination is not the starter pack of spiritual disciplines. It has to already be grounded in scripture reading and in prayer because we won't have truth to level up our meaning-making against if we don't have the truth within us, if we don't have the understanding of the scriptures within us. Scripture reading and prayer are the foundations that allow us to do examination before God. Otherwise, it can just be us talking to ourselves But examination must be that dialogue. And it must be within our hearts to say, God, I want you to help me make the right meaning. Help me to understand and help me to accept even when I can't understand. Because all of us are wrong sometimes. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, some of the meaning that we make is good. And some of it can be idolatry. 
where we worship our own way of thinking through things in the world. Tear down every idol. Remove from us that which sets itself up against your knowledge, O God. And may every thought of ours, every active and passive thought, be taken captive and made obedient to you, O Christ, that we might see the world as you see it, that we might see our neighbor as you see our neighbor, and that as we do this examination and as we are humbled by your Holy Spirit, as we are chastised occasionally and admonished by your presence, may we also see ourselves the way you see us, as sinful and broken and flawed and also as deeply loved, that God, you see us as worthy of your patience, your love, your grace, and your compassion. So may we receive these things as part of your discipline and part of our disciplined grace of knowing your love for us, your purposes for us, and ultimately that we are yours. If there's any other meaning that we make today, may it be this, that we are dearly loved by you and that you went to the cross to die for our sins out of love for us and that you call us your own and that we belong to you in body and in spirit, in life and in death, in all the meaning-making that we do in this life, that we matter to you. In your name we pray, amen.